Hello and welcome to Moving Kentucky Forward. I'm Bruce Maples, publisher of Forward Kentucky. Most of you probably remember that a little over four years ago, Adam Edelin was one of the candidates for governor running in the Democratic primary in our state. He lost, of course, eventually to, Adam, to Andy Bashir, who went on to win the governorship. After that, Edelin announced that he was beginning a project to do solar arrays on the top of mountains that had been flattened by mountaintop removal. And the last I remembered seeing of that was him standing in a field talking about, you know, this was coming. Well, a few weeks ago, I saw a story that it was happening and that he was about to hire people to begin the construction of one. And I just thought, what a great story. And why don't we catch up with Adam and see what's going on. So that's what we're doing. Today we're talking with Adam Edelin about the solar work that he's doing. So let's hear from Adam about his project. We're here today with Adam Edelin, who has served in state government in the past, has run for office, but now has another venture going. Adam, welcome to Movie Kentucky Forward. Good to be with you, Bruce. You know, I thought about starting this like those old-time movie serials. When last we left our hero, he was whatever. <laughs> so when last we left our hero, you were running for office. I was. Uh, that's the last time I believe that we have interviewed you. And I know you've had some things going on since then. So as they say in the uh, internet meme, why don't you tell us how it started and how it's going? Well, Bruce, I appreciate it. It, it, it. It's great to be back with you. And, uh, you know, the, your, your outlet here is a great uh, compliment to the state. And I appreciate the deep dive that you do and important topics. So when we were last together, I was a candidate for governor and I was running because I wanted to move Kentucky forward. I really wanted to bring 21st century opportunities to the state. And while that election didn't work out, we built a company, Edlin Renewables, premised on the belief that we can bring the promise of renewable energy to the forgotten places of, of America. And we have made a huge down payment on that mission recently with the uh, with, with our uh, Martin County Solar Project uh, getting ready to go to construction. I mean, Bruce, this is a $231 million private capital investment in the heart of Appalachian coal country. Um, on 2,000 acres of a mountaintop removal site, we're going to build a massive solar array uh, the power has been purchased by Toyota. We've got up to 350 construction phase jobs with a preference for folks in Martin County and in uh, others who have been displaced by the disappearance of the coal economy. All of this about four or five miles from where Lyndon Johnson launched the war on poverty. So, um, you know, what I've learned is you don't have to be an elective office to build the future. You've just got to have a mission for doing it and a clear vision and a, um, and a lot of focus on doing the hard work to make these big things happen. When we have talked about this in the past, I, I, seem, I went back and looked for it, couldn't find it. I seem to remember talking with you about this a long time ago, and then I saw a story about it some time ago that was basically you standing in a field. Yeah. And, and I thought, okay, you know, let, this may happen. Let's hope it does. And so I was very excited when I saw a story about you recently that said what you just said. Okay, we've got the investment. And even more important, we've got the the power purchased. We, Correct. We know not only how we're going to make it, we know how we're going to sell it. And so we've got a business plan and so on and so forth. Uh, how did this come about? I mean, I, obviously, you can't share a lot of 
sure. details, but what made you think about that location and what made you think about Toyota as a purchaser? Well, when we when we began the process of well, it actually goes back further than that. I'm I'm at my core a problem solver, Bruce. And when you look at the endemic poverty that we've got in Appalachia uh, in general and in Eastern Kentucky specifically, and and our mindless politics have offered nothing but rhetoric. And you know, if you're going to solve a problem, you have to do real constructive things. And so I began to think about. Appalachia and its historic role as an energy producer. I mean, let's be very clear the you know, the, the, the coal fields of eastern Kentucky literally powered the industrial development of this country for 100 years. It, mm -hmm. it provided both the men and material and energy to win one, not one, but two world wars. And so we owe these people uh, a debt and it is a uniquely American debt. So how do you begin to uh, square the deal with the very people who powered the industrial development of the old economy. Well, you do it by including them in the new economy. And, and Bruce, let's be clear, it, it may not be fashionable to talk about in Kentucky, but it is in the entirety of the rest of the world, is that the green energy revolution is the greatest economic catalytic event. It is the mm -hmm. greatest wealth producing event uh, in our lifetimes, with the possible exception of the advent of the internet. And so, how do you seize the opportunities that are created by these catalytic moments in our history where you see this confluence of economy and technology and culture? And we, I, I saw it. And so, you know, the question is, as a leader in Kentucky, whether in the public or the private sector, how do you put people in the way of progress? Hmm. And the way we do that is reimagining um, Appalachian Kentucky as a energy producer, which is their historic role. For the next hundred years. And so as, as we got into this, you know, the things you need for large scale solar development is you you need a lot of flat land. And we've got a million acres of mountain uh, of mountaintop removal sites in central Appalachia. You need uh, you need access to high capacity transmission lines. And Bruce, not a lot of people realize that it took a hell of a lot of power to power the coal industry. Those, mm -hmm. These were electric operations. The drag lines were electrically run. So you've got this incredibly robust transmission infrastructure built all over Appalachia that now has nothing on it because there's no power being used at the other end. Well, we can repurpose these lines to carry green electrons that we manufacture in Appalachia to uh, the population centers of the Northeast and the South and the Midwest. So um, it, it just seemed like this could be a, a natural, uh, massive opportunity to do a big, important thing. And so, you know, as we built out this, we, we were able to attract um, really smart people, well-capitalized, who wanted to help us uh, mm -hmm. bring life to our vision. And Toyota, Toyota was the first heavy manufacturer on the planet uh, to create a 100% sustainability goal. They did it seven or eight years ago. It literally um, changed the industry. Now, now, nearly everyone in the Fortune 500 has a sustainability goal. And Toyota is a great corporate citizen. So we, we began partnering with them to do what is the first large-scale coal-to-solar project in the United States, uh, and certainly the first in Appalachia, to repay that debt. And, and so, um, you know, Bruce, we're weaponizing capitalism uh, to bring opportunity to places that haven't seen it in a long time. And, and, you know, the mindless rhetoric about the war on coal, you know, certainly, uh, you know, even even coal companies with whom we're partnered will tell you that uh, what what 
fought a war on coal was natural gas. It was the private sector, right? So we have to think about what's next. And what's deeply frustrating for me out of my personal story was that, as you know, I'm a, I'm a kid from Meade County whose family were all tobacco farmers. And government did a really good job at the state and federal level of planning from the transition away from the tobacco economy. Mm-hmm. My dad took the buyout the year after I went to college. And as, re- as a result, um, our agricultural communities are substantially better off than they were 25 years ago. We have utterly failed. And this is a bipartisan failure, Bruce. I mean, I say this as a Democrat. You know, uh, Frankfurt Democrats have been as empty headed as Frankfurt Republicans about mm-hmm. uh, about planning for uh, economic transition and diversification in Appalachia. And the truth of the matter is it's it's better run from the private sector, because while you've got uh, Frankfurt at, at, it, at its best, is um, at its best, it's leaving us alone as we're trying to build a green energy economy. At its worst, it's it's a terrible hindrance. But the market has voted. I mean, Bruce, we had at our first jobs fair in Inez, um, just last Thursday, we had nearly 500 people show up. Mm. It was incredible. You'll be reading about it a lot in the national news. This is um, this is an incredible moment uh, in our history. And while it's not the only solution, uh, we're going to have to let a thousand flowers bloom. Uh, this is an important part of bringing economic diversification to the coal fields. So. I was interested with something you just said. You said partnering with coal companies. I would sort of assume that they would be, um, I don't want to use the word enemies, but not necessarily sympathetic to your program. Uh, Tell me about partnering with coal companies. So, Bruce, you know, my, my career in Frankfurt and in public service was always predicated, predicated on a belief that you don't have to agree on everything uh, to work together on something. And, you know, not just the project in Martin County, we've got more than a half dozen others. Mm. And every single one of these projects, there's a coal company involved. And that's because, you know, their motivation is to monetize a stranded asset. These these abandoned mine lands are good for nothing other than maybe seeing a couple elk and paying property taxes. And so what these coal companies have recognized, if they can be part of continuing to be an energy company and being in the green energy space and create a profit that they're all on board. And so I'm passionate about this work because I want to create jobs where there aren't many and I want to save the planet. Um, it doesn't matter to me whether what my partner's motivations are so long as I can accomplish that goal. And I think it's proof positive from the mess we see in Frankfurt to the mess we see in Washington that we are not nearly as divided as we're being led to believe. The problem is, is that we've got, by and large, talking point politicians, Bruce, who lack innovation and creativity. And you can always structure a deal um, that works for multiple parties. And if you are that kind of leader, um, you can accomplish big, important things. And, and you know, fortunately, our team is helping drive this in, in, in some important places. So you mentioned 200 and something jobs, 278, I think is what you said, which is for the construction. Right. Now, uh, you know, unlike hydroelectric dams or other types of energy producing things, solar, once it's built, just basically sits there and does its job. So I can't imagine that you're going to need very many people to monitor it once it's built. So what's the construction timeline look like and how many jobs will you have once the construction's done? 
So it's 350 jobs during construction. And th- because this will be built out over two phases, that will that'll be somewhere between two and three years. And you're exactly right that the employment level for um, for a for a fixed site uh, isn't significant. We're talking, you know, maybe a dozen jobs. But that's why we have worked so hard in an approach that we have trademarked called Social Impact Solar, where we have partnered with the community and technical college and all the workforce and economic development agencies in the area, as well as the labor unions to reimagine solar solar construction as the first or second rung on a ladder of economic opportunities. So Mm. the people who work on our project um, will have the opportunity to earn a skills credential that is both stackable and portable, which means they can be spun off into union apprentice programs, they can uh, follow workforce development strategies that are in place from the community and technical college system, or they can work on other projects that I'm developing in the area. And, and just so you, your listeners and viewers, Bruce, understand that this isn't a one-off. We we now not only have proof of concept in Martin County, uh, but you may have seen their recent announcement about the involvement of, of the EV uh, auto, automotive manufacturer behemoth Rivian agreeing to buy the first tranche of power that we produce at Starfire. And so folks from Eastern Kentucky will recognize Starfire because like Madonna or JLo, it's known by a single name Mm. in the coal industry. And at 7,200 acres, that was the largest uh, land acquisition for a renewable energy project in the United States. It's so big that it it, uh, encompasses Breathitt, Perry, and Knott counties. So the The level of uh, workforce participation we're getting from all these elected officials, Republican and Democrat, um, to do these big, important projects has been profound. But Rivian is going to buy the first tranche of that project. Um, We think it will go to construction in 26. Um, We have another one in eastern Kentucky that could go to construction in 25. So what we're creating here is really taken hold and it's become a massive initiative. And so building up the workforce for what is the fastest growing sector of the global economy is a big deal. So, um, and what we know is that everyone in rural rural America travels for work. It's the reality of the situation, but we can create the 21st century green energy skilled workforce of the future here. And as a result, they will magnetize other opportunities. So it's a huge, you know, Kentucky is uh, Kentucky is currently dead last in green energy production amongst the 50 states. Um, that's not an accident. That's a policy. It's not a policy failure. It was a policy decision. Yeah. But we're going to change. We're changing that narrative regardless of what the politicians of either party think. And, and you know, when you when you hope for 100 people to turn out in Inez for a job fair and you instead get close to 500, that tells you where the folks are. And so um, while our politicians may not be uh, is aggressively building the future. I can tell you that the appetite uh, for new opportunity uh, is amazing in coal communities, and and we're not just in coal communities. Uh, you know, we're we're uh, we've taken our our, con- our uh, country or we've taken our company nationwide. We're in thirteen states. Mm-hmm. We'll have an announcement soon about a project in Hobbs, New Mexico, which is the heart of the oil and gas uh, producing area known as the Permian Basin in eastern New Mexico. Um, we're, we're doing this all over the all over the place because we think that given this enormous gravitational opportunity with the green energy economy, we can widen the winter circle to include a lot of people who've been left out of the new economy. So 
I wanted to ask you, I, I understand now why you're partnering with coal people because they own the land. The land. Obviously. Yep. Uh, what are the utility companies saying to you? I know that at least around here, people who have tried to do solar larger than an individual home, if they tried to do community solar or something like that, they've had LG and E and KU come to them and say, no, 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 we do solar. You don't do solar. Uh, what are they saying to you about this project in Martin County and your other projects? So fortunate for us, Kentucky is part of a regional energy grid in, a re in, a, in what's called a structured energy market. We are a member of the PJM, which stands for Pennsylvania, Jersey, Maryland. Geographically, it extends from uh, the New York state line through the mid-Atlantic states into Virginia, down to the Carolinas, cuts across central and eastern Kentucky, and then goes to Chicago. And it's the world's largest energy market, and it's one of the very few that has such a significant gap between its demand and its supply. So in a structured energy market, the utility cannot tell you no, which is great, unlike deeper south where you've got the TVA and the southern companies who have more latitude to determine the outcome of these projects. Uh, LG and EKU, our Kentucky-based utilities, they don't have the ability to say no. They are a valued partner because we rely on them to connect to the grid. What I will say about the utilities in Kentucky is that they have historically been laggards, um, but they are getting the message. Things are improving. Um, I can tell you the the fantastic work that's been done to bring L to bring uh, the the EV battering battery facilities to Kentucky right. is it, you can't you can't embrace new economy green energy driven manufacturing like Blue Oval and and um and in the Korean facility and in, in Bowling Green and not recognize their demand for uh for green energy and that is to say all of these companies have a 100% sustainability goal and if Kentucky is going to remain relevant to 21st century uh, economic opportunities, we're going to have to be able to source green electrons for these guys. And that's why you're seeing, you know, you're, you're, you're seeing the utilities shift. It's an appreciation of market reality. And, and Bruce, I cannot underscore enough how far the politicians are behind both the market and or who, who how far they are behind the market in the demand for green energy. This isn't this isn't Ford when when they uh, agreed to put the uh, the manufacturing facility at the new plant in just south of E-Town. Um, green electrons to power that place were a non-negotiable. That is it. That's in their contract. And, yep. um, you know, we may not be advertising that at the state level, but it's the reality of the planet. And so we've got to make a decision in Kentucky. We are. Are we going to seize these? powerful jet stream like winds or are we going to be run over by them that that really is the question for our policymakers because this is a uh, this is a ship that's already left left port one of the things that if you read the site you know that i am exceptionally concerned about is the climate crisis right and one of the, obviously one of the ways we deal with that is moving to clean energy but I also think that there is going to be this just increasing demand for more and more electricity. That's right. Um, you know, I, I worry about our grid and its ability to handle air conditioning in the summer and so on yep. and so forth. So I just it seems to me that the more of these you can get in place, the better for everybody, because the need is going to be there. 
Bruce, uh, you, you are spot on. And if if you and your your uh, viewers leave this with with only one takeaway, I want it to be this: the electrification of everything is going to be the primary economic driver for the next 50 or 100 years. This is a fact. Our grid is outdated um, and it has to be modernized for us to be able to, to seize these economic opportunities. It has to be modernized for us to meet our climate goals. But that's going to happen. The IRA and the bipartisan infrastructure bill were enormous down payments mm. on America assuming uh, its its rightful position as the global, global leader and not only driving the uh, driving the green energy revolution, but saving the planet. It is it is a market force. It is irreversible. Um, and, you know, this is a big opportunity for us. And so the country has to mobilize and it is mobilizing. The The Inflation Reduction Act was well, we will speak of it in the same hushed tones in 40 or 50 years that we currently talk about the New Deal. It's that transformative. Yeah. And and it will trigger an arms race that is incredibly positive. The 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 European Union is going to have to do something similar, um, and and this is good for the planet. But you know, Bruce, we are being impacted significantly by the impact of climate here. I mean, the flooding that we had here a year ago in eastern Kentucky, um, man, that happened in in the middle of summer, not in our wet season. And the uh, the tornado that hit western Kentucky didn't happen. When it normally does, it happened in in the in the dead of winter, and so we've got to understand that the climate is changing, which means we have to invest in climate resiliency. It's here, and and that that is something we can't be afraid to talk about. And it's another one of my frustrations with the political class, Bruce, is that even Republican even Republicans under the age of forty believe in climate change. All the polling shows it. We we have the first generation of young people that we we raised uh, educated under twenty five you know twenty five years now of reduce reuse recycle in the classroom and you know people want if anybody wants to debate the you know me on this matter just look at what the Fortune five hundred is doing including the big oil and gas companies they're taking mm-hmm. sustainability goals because the because the the uh, the millennials and the zoomers are the largest generation in American history and it's not even close they're already driving market behavior and that's why you're seeing these companies pursue these ESG goals it's not some out of woke it's not because it's something out of some woke ideology far from it they're doing it because it's how to make money and young people of of all persuasions all stripes understand that the climate challenge is going to be what defines their era from conservative to liberal. They're doing something about it and the, and the private sectors responded. And eventually the public sector will have to respond even here in Kentucky. Mm. Um, so let's I have a technical question for a moment. Uh, you're working with obviously the utilities cause you're using their grid. Uh, mm. Do you have performance guarantees from them? Are they responsible oh, yeah. for, upgrading the grid if it can't handle it. Yeah. And, and so my partnership team led by a, you know, a great company called Savion, um, that our team is actually responsible for those upgrades, right? So when you put 200 megawatts on a line, 
um, and it has capacity, whatever upgrades have to be made are, are paid for by the developers. So they don't go on the backs of the ratepayers, right? Okay. And Bruce, these projects are indemnified every single way from the panel manufacturers to the construction firm, to the financiers, to the people who buy the power. There's absolutely no risk to the taxpayers uh, in any form or fashion. Uh, this is this is a private sector move um, that's having uh, that, that really is redefining uh, the, the the economic age in which we're living. So I just find it fascinating that mountaintop removal was such a political issue for so many years and still is. Yep. Uh, the damage that it did to certain parts of the environment and so on and so forth. I just think it's fascinating that those projects that I absolutely opposed when they happened could turn out to be the salvation of that part of the state, which I just find. It is rich with irony, right? And so, you know, while you and I may have disagreements with these coal companies about uh, their environmental processes, uh, I think acknowledging that we have an opportunity to make lemons, uh, lemonade out of lemons is mm-hmm. is the best possible option. And, you know, the disappearance of the coal economy is is profound. And, 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 it, and the failure to prepare for it is the greatest uh, policy failure we've had in Kentucky uh, in my lifetime. And as a result, you've got, I mean, Martin County has a workforce participation rate of something like 36, 37%, Bruce. It's got the highest unemployment rate in the state. And and this is, you know, we have failed uh, our people and and we've got to acknowledge that. And so how do we create a more efficient, a more effective way to solve problems? I think we've, I think we've stumbled onto something that's a, that while it's not a silver bullet, it is an important part of any strategy to bring prosperity back to coal country. So as we wrap up, I want to ask you, uh, is there anything you wanted to talk about that I have not asked you about? No, man, this is exciting. And I, I what I would say is I hope folks will uh, follow our social media. You know, at, um, I'm, I'm all over Twitter and our Edelin Renewables Facebook page and our work on Instagram because we are just revving our engine. And by now demonstrating that not only does it make economic and moral sense to pursue green energy opportunities for our citizens in coal country, but now that we have demonstrable proof so powerfully that they're clamoring for these opportunities, maybe we can get uh, the good guys to show a little more courage in Frankfurt and the bad guys to just hush up. It it would be nice. Um, So let's conclude with this. What's your timeline looking like? I realize uh, every plan uh, looks great until it meets the enemy. So What's your timeline right now looking like? So, Bruce, we're as we sit here in what the second week of September, we will be under construction this time next month, and it will ratchet up, uh, and then reach full. Uh, you know, it'll be pedal to the metal uh, early next winter, and we've got two years of construction uh, over the planned over the phase. Uh, we'll have a cool announcement about construction at Hobbs, New Mexico. Uh, I think by the end of the year. Um, with two more projects in Kentucky slated to go before the end of uh, end of Governor Bashir's uh, last term. Okay, 
Excellent. Like that plug there. That's nice. Well, I mean, it, you know, listen, he and I've had our differences, but the guy, the guy's earned reelection and, uh, and, and I'm, I'm sure for him. I will encourage anyone. I'm going to do a plug here. I will encourage anyone who doubts that Kentucky needs to think about climate change to go look at the series we did on risk from climate change across our state and realize that the one of the only ways we're going to deal with all of this is through clean electricity. Hey, Bruce, how about how about we we schedule for sometime early next year? Why don't you give me a day and we'll go do a field trip and find a way to bring your viewers along? Oh, that'd be great. I'd love that. We'll do that. Okay. Excellent. Excellent. Adam Edlin taking us into the green future uh, with electricity on abandoned mountaintop coal fields, which is just, you're right. It's the irony is delicious. It is delicious. All right. Thank you for being with us and uh, good luck and keep us posted. We surely will, Bruce. Thank you. That was Adam Edlin telling us about his multiple solar projects across the state and indeed across the nation. I think it is very exciting to see this happening. We have to move to renewable energy. And what is more renewable than solar? I am very excited for him and for the work. And I am looking forward to seeing the project as it unfolds and looking forward to hearing more about it next year. Thanks to Adam for agreeing to the interview and thanks to you for watching or listening and we'll see you next week.